Hey everybody and welcome back to Cash's Corner. Jan and I have done a lot of prep work, which means today's episode might be the best yet. What are we going to talk about, Jan? It seems to me, well, I guess it seems to both of us that Elon Musk's purchase of Twitter has much greater ramifications than just Twitter. And this is kind of coming out in spades. And most recently, you know, you were out on Truth Social, not on Twitter, calling to see someone named James Baker uh, basically removed from his position as a counsel for Twitter. Yeah. Uh, so look, I mean, we have to rewind the clock here. And of course, I always tell people whenever we talk about Truth Social, I'm on the board of directors of Truth Social. So I, while I have a fiduciary duty to Truth Social, I agree with President Donald Trump, who owns Truth Social. He's not cheering against Twitter. He's repeatedly said he hopes Elon Musk does what he said he's going to do, which is restored to being an actual free speech platform that's censorship free from political bias. So all in on that mission, James Baker, not just on Truth Social, I've been saying forever that this guy is one of the biggest criminal conspirators that the government has ever seen. Our audience might not know this, but James Baker was the number one lawyer at the FBI when James Comey and the corrupt cabal, Andy McCabe, Lisa Page, Peter Strzok, Priestap and company launched the Russiagate hoax. What does that mean? Me as a former federal prosecutor who worked with tons of lawyers at the FBI working on terrorism and criminal cases. It means that the top lawyer at the FBI is the one who signs off on the FISA warrant that goes to the director and the attorney general. At the time, James Baker signed off on the bogus fraudulent FISA warrants against then candidate Trump's uh, campaign assistant, Carter Page, and allowed a lie to be taken to a court and evidence to be withheld. Why does that all fall to his feet? Some people might say that's too harsh. No, that's your job. You're the general counsel. You speak for the director of the FBI and report to the DOJ. If there's something wrong in that FISA, it's up to you as the head lawyer to figure it out. And what do we learn? Not just the corrupt activities about lying to the court, suppressing evidence, favoring one political party over another and making decisions based on that, but his underlings actually redacted and altered documents that were presented to the court. Also, his responsibility to know. One of them was convicted by John Durham, uh, Kevin Kleinsmith. So my problems with James Baker started when I was running the Russiagate investigation for then Chairman Nunes on House Intel. I said, this is not what an ethical lawyer should be doing. He's definitely not following the law, and he's one of the most powerful attorneys in government. And so we kept at it. I mean, we're giving you the quick summary here. And eventually, Baker was dismissed at the FBI. And that didn't happen until Chris Ray came. First, James Comey was dismissed, then Chris Ray comes in. And we went to Chris Ray, and we said, you need to remove James Baker for all these reasons. And Chris Ray refused to do it. And we had to make the only thing that can overcome that sort of level of what I call dishonesty, public outcry. We had to educate the public that these actions were so improper that he had to be removed from such a position of government, any position of government, because you're serving the American people and he was violating his oath of office. So James Baker was the general counsel at the FBI when we began issuing subpoenas, congressional subpoenas, for documents from the FBI and DOJ on this FISA application that we found to be faulty. And in fact, the DOJ would years later say that FISA application was declared invalid, which almost never happens based on our investigation. 
James Baker was the one running blocking and tackle campaigns at the FBI to prevent the disclosure of documents we lawfully subpoenaed from con at Congress. So why is that important? Well, fast forward. Four years later, five years later, whatever it is, James Baker, as I called it, was the guy screening documents at Twitter based on his political beliefs and orientation system, unbeknownst to the headshed of Twitter. And he was running the same operation that he ran as FBI general counsel inside of Twitter HQ. We'll get to that. And that's ultimately led to his dismissal. But I just wanted to give our audience a quick history on who James Baker was and his involvement in Russiagate. And now we'll continue to tie the pieces together to him, to Sussman, to Perkins Coie. We got so much to talk about. <laughs> there is a lot to talk about, but just to kind of, again, educate, maybe maybe not everybody knows yet when they're seeing this episode that Matt Taibbi and Barry Weiss were basically given the Twitter files and they're releasing parts of them. And, by, and you're also calling for the full release of them. I want to talk about that a little bit. That's very interesting too. But basically... They've got these files, they're looking, and uh, there's some kind of delay, and Matt Taibbi tweets that, you know, Barry Weiss notices that there's someone named Jim basically looking at this, and then she's, their jaw hits the floor when it turns out it's Jim Baker that's been kind of apparently sort of slowing the release somehow or screening the files, or it's really unclear what exactly happened, but that leads to his exit. Yeah, it to does. To being exited, right. To be exited, as Elon put it. Yeah, look, I'll get to that, but... I have called since day one, since Elon closed his deal, I think around October 28th of this year to buy Twitter. And he came out and said he was going to provide full disclosure, for lack of a better word. I said, OK, don't do what the government does. Provide every document. Don't give me Adam Schiff's redacted version of history. Put everything out there. And you're a private company. You're not the government. You don't have any classified information. Put it all out there for media, for investigators, for journalists, for everyday citizens, for John Q. Voter to see and digest for themselves. And he said to the public he was going to do that. So when every time I put out a truth on it or I speak on it in media and especially on the show, yes, it's a challenge to Elon Musk. Firing James Baker is a one yard rush. He's got 99 more yards to go to get to the end zone of transparency. And that can only happen if he releases everything. So I don't know that I agree with the process in which he's undertaken. And for people to come out and say, oh, my God, I didn't know James Baker was involved. You mean you didn't know the number two lawyer at Twitter was canned from the federal government for basically committing a crime and a conspiracy at the FBI and then had a golden parachute landing at Twitter and was acting in concert with Vijaya Gad and that other guy Roth to censor political beliefs on a free speech platform? You guys didn't know that? And you didn't know that his pal, Michael Sussman, yes, the guy indicted by John Durham, remember the same Michael Sussman that went to James Baker as the FBI's general counsel and said, hey, I, who represent the DNC and Hillary Clinton campaign, have this story on Russiagate. The guys that came up with the Steele dossier also came up with the Alpha Bank narrative, which we've talked about in depth previously, which was totally bogus, which led to tech executive Rodney Jaffe being hired and an infiltration of the White House servers during a presidential campaign. That was received by the one and only James Baker when he was running FBI. And then when he got fired and he got onto Twitter, do you know who congratulated him for his wonderful landing at Twitter? Michael Sussman of Perkins Coie. And we'll get to Perkins Coie in a minute. 
So the fact that people are out there acting all surprised, like they did when I ran Russiagate, that the FBI had anything to do with this nefarious activity, I think is total BS. Like, if you didn't understand it then, and you're some journalist who has been following this for years, that's because you refused to acknowledge the truth because of your own internal bias, because you didn't like Trump or you didn't like whatever narrative was being advanced. And the one thing that I went to Devin with when I started that investigation was that most people don't know this. I didn't know Trump. We didn't met. I didn't know Devin Nunes. I didn't even know who he was. You know, maybe that's embarrassing for me to say now, but it's okay. We're now friends. But I said, you want me to run your investigation? Fine. Whatever we find. I don't know if he's a Russian asset or not. Whatever we find, we put it out there. And he, Devin Nunes, adhered to his word. And that's what I'm asking of Elon Musk. Whatever you have in your holdings, you're the master of the domain at Twitter. You own it. Put it out. And then tell the world, hey, I get it if you don't want to put out a million pages of documents at once. You know, put out 10,000 a week and just tell them, this is how we're going to do it. Everything's coming out. We don't want to inundate everybody. We're just going to put it all out there. That would be great. But for, for any journalist to say, we didn't know the FBI was here um, and talking to and, and working with James Bick, that is almost as absurd, if not more, than what we were just talking about. Well, and so many threads here, but let's, let's just mention this, okay? I really love this idea, and I was talking with our mutual friend Lee Smith about this a little yeah. bit earlier. I really love the idea of letting all the documents out. The reason is... We've had, so, frankly, the world, the U.S., uh, the world has had so much support in figuring out what actually happened in Russiagate. Mm -hmm. And frankly, other areas, COVID origins, COVID from, you know, what's affectionately called the little corner of Twitter. And this is very interesting. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's basically a group of really intrepid people that are, you know, not professionals, amateur sleuths, like, but really, really brilliant grasp of information that, frankly, most journalists didn't have. And these are people that I often even go to to try to put information together. These people are ready. Yeah. <laughs> these people are ready and waiting. And this is also what Elon wants. I think Elon was saying, I want all the Twitter to be the source of information for the world, for people. Well, this is the opportunity. These folks are ready to rock, and they will put things together that will blow all of our minds, I can promise. No, look, we, yeah. when I was running Russiagate, and we lawfully obtained documents and lawfully released them, these sleuths online, whether it was Twitter or wherever, or journalists, some journalists who were actually doing the investigations like Lee Smith and Epoch Times, who I didn't have a relationship then, um, taught me and Devin Nunes a great deal of information we couldn't put together or we didn't have the bandwidth to do that, right? Connecting the dots between not just the money line from the DNC and Perkins Coie, but to the personal relationships with James Baker, the FBI, and Twitter um, and elsewhere. So we're asking... If Elon is serious about this, then that's the approach I believe he has to take. Matt Taibbi has done some wonderful reporting in the past on Russiagate. But it's not a monster that two people can handle. It, you are talking about years of communications with the largest media company on planet Earth. And yes, Twitter is a media company. At the end of the day, that's what it is, in my opinion. And if you want all of this information out, uh, which, by the way, I found it interesting that Jack Dorsey, the former CEO of Twitter just today, put out a statement saying he wants everything out. He wants everything out from Elon. I find that ironic, maybe somewhat a bit of karmic justice that the guy who ran Twitter, who said he didn't know James Baker was involved with Vijay Gatta censoring all this information and that guy Roth. Okay, I'll give you a hall pass on that. Maybe you didn't know. 
you were running this company and you had people in senior leadership positions who were breaking the First Amendment to pieces. And it happened on your watch. So I think he has a selfish, he, Jack Dorsey, has a self-interest. He wants it all out there because there's probably communications that say, oh, we didn't tell Jack this or we didn't tell Jack this. I think it's selfish, but if it puts pressure on Elon to get it all out there, great. I'm all for that. I just think it's ironic that at this point in time, the guy that created the mess is now asking for the release of the hot docs that show the corruption inside Twitter. Well, you know, my view is it can only help and get these things out there. Right? I'm all for whatever yeah. gets it out there. Whatever right. gets it out there. And, and I'll take the heat. People are saying, why are you taking on Elon? Why are you taking on these journalists? Um, it's it. I'm challenging them to do what they said. That's our job to do that. And if you're just going to spike the football because one guy got fired again, you're missing the entire purpose. When 17 officials got fired during Russia Week because of our investigation from Devin and I, that was step one. Then came all the documents. And to circle back to your point about the sleuths, then we put out the text messages between the lovers. Then we put out the FISAs. Then we put out the 302s about Bruce Orr. Then we put out all of the information about the banking between Fusion GPS and Christopher Steele. And these people in the uh, ether, the sphere, went to work and connected the dots and found, you know, the Rodney Joffies of the world later. And they found the Charles Dolans of the world. And they found the... Um, Danchenko's of the world. We couldn't do it all. And two journalists working um, as good as they are can't do it all. So, you know, the message is pretty clear for me here. Either release it all, or I stand by my statement that I put on truth, that until you release it all, you, Elon Musk, are running a the biggest cover-up operation of disinformation in modern U.S. history. Because if you selectively choose what goes out there, or you delegate to someone else to selectively choose what goes out to the American public, then you are doing what James Baker and James Comey did at the FBI when they selectively chose what goes in a fraudulent FISA application to illegally surveil a political opponent. Well, so one of the things we just uh, looked into prior to doing this uh, doing this show is to see, you know, we, we do know that in the past, uh, Perkins Coie has acted as outside counsel, the Perkins Coie, you know, you referenced earlier. I'm going to get you to tell me a little bit why Perkins Coie is important, right, in, in Russiagate. But it turns out that even as early as December 6th, Perkins Coie is still acting in some capacity. There's at least one filing that tells us this as an outside counsel to Twitter. As a former federal prosecutor, former public defender, kind of an, I have an idea of how the judicial process works. So we know Perkins Coie was one of the biggest corrupt actors uh, during the Russiagate scandal. And the top two figures there were Mark Elias and Michael Sussman, who would later get indicted by John Durham. These two individuals were the ones responsible for funneling in tens of millions of dollars from the campaign, and I believe illegally using it, to hire the likes of Fusion GPS and Christopher Steele to run not only a disinformation operation against Donald Trump, but also to try to take him out from becoming the president um, and then when he became president, tried to get him impeached by calling him a Russian agent on track one with the Steele dossier and on track two by calling him Putin's asset on the Alpha Bank server fabrication, which we now was a total fabrication. And it's no coincidence. I keep saying this. There aren't any coincidences in government. There's not a coincidence that Sussman and Perkins Coie went to James Baker at the FBI to start this fraud. 
It's no coincidence that Baker ends up at Twitter as, as the deputy general counsel. It's no coincidence that Michael Sussman, while he's at Perkins Coie, congratulates James Baker on his wonderful landing at Twitter. So now you have this outside counsel, this outside law firm, who, by the way, remember what we also learned thanks to our outside sleuths? Perkins Coie, for the first time in the history of the Federal Bureau of Investigation that I can ever recall, actually had FBI agents securely sitting in their own office space. That's right, FBI agents with guns and badges were sitting in Perkins Coie's law firm's office spaces on secure computers working in tandem with Perkins Coie. And Chris Ray still has to answer what on God's green earth what they're doing at a law firm that had helped perpetrate the FBI's largest criminal conspiracy in US history. That question remains outstanding. That's Perkins Coie. So now we're to believe that James Baker, who has an intimate relationship with these guys, gets airdropped into Twitter and is censoring, yes, as we know, making the calls, the balls and strikes decision on Hunter Biden's laptop, just as one example, um, with Vijay Gatta and Roth. This guy isn't talking to his pals at Perkins Coie. He's not talking to his cronies at the FBI who at that time, Strzok and Priestep and Page were still employed by the FBI. They didn't get terminated for a while. He's not talking to his friends. My problem with this is then Perkins Coie goes and becomes Twitter's outside counsel. What does that mean? Just try to envision a more corrupt, conflict-oriented process. The guy that orchestrated Russiagate at the FBI with James Comey is now one of the lead lawyers at Twitter. The guy from Perkins Coie, Michael Sussman, who orchestrated the Russiagate scandal from the outside and paid for it from the DNC and Hillary Clinton campaign, has found their way to get Twitter to hire them to represent Twitter in federal court pleadings where Twitter is a plaintiff or defendant. Either they're suing or being sued. And we did the digging. We knew that Perkins Coie was representing Twitter, get this, on search warrants that the FBI had sent to Twitter to James Baker when Tara Reid initially made her allegations of sexual misconduct against then-candidate Joe Biden. The next week, DOJ sends Twitter search warrants demanding Tara Reid's accounts, personal information, and the full scope. Perkins Coie is representing Twitter in court, and James Baker is the guy at Twitter calling the legal balls and strikes. Tell me that's not a conflict of interest. Tell me that these people are the ones that are going to provide us transparency. This is the Perkins Coie that we're talking about today. And thanks to our great, your great detective work um, at Epoch here, we have confirmed through legal pleadings that Perkins Coie is still stamped as outside counsel on numerous matters as recently as this month for Twitter. So Elon, when are you going to get rid of Perkins Coie? Yeah, and so then there's this also this issue of Twitter having these weekly meetings with the FBI. That is one of the most concerning things that we've learned. So in the lead up to the 2020 election, under the leadership of Bill Barr and Chris Ray at DOJ and FBI respectively, there were weekly meetings between FBI agents and lawyers and Twitter headshed, that is Twitter lawyers and other employees who are responsible for all this improper, unlawful censorship. Just take a pause on that. People might be like, so what? What's the big deal? The only way that FBI and DOJ would permit that sort of private level engagement is if Attorney General Bill Barr and Chris Ray authorized it directly. 
because it dealt with a presidential election. What they were meeting about was things such as Hunter Biden's laptop weeks before the election. And they were telling them, um, at least through public reporting, that this is material that is Russian disinformation and should be censored from your platform. Don't take my word for it. FBI agent Chan, who was recently deposed in Eric Schmidt's um, AG's lawsuit in the state of Missouri against Twitter for censorship, testified that he engaged in these weekly meetings and that the purpose of these meetings was to figure out what should and should not be censored. As if the FBI has any business or lawful authority to tell a private industry, the media, what they can and cannot put on their platforms, and more importantly, what users can and can't talk about. And if they do say Hunter Biden's laptop is legit, then we're gonna ban you. This is the ultimate, ultimate government interference and trampling of freedom of speech while also rigging an election. Why did Bill Barr and Chris Ray authorize this? Why did the Attorney General of the United States and the Director of the FBI permit their law enforcement, our law enforcement agency, to commit this fraud? It's similar to the cast of characters that perpetrated Russiagate. And so I think Congress, especially the House Republican majority coming in in January, needs to haul Bill Barr and Chris Ray up to Capitol Hill and put them under oath and testify and ask them these questions. I think if Elon Musk is not willing to divulge all of the documents themselves, then subpoenas have to go out on the 1st of January from the House Judiciary and House Oversight Committee demanding all FBI communications with Twitter. Because people are saying, oh man, what if James Baker deleted stuff at Twitter because it's a private company and what that? Well, you know where they never get deleted? Because these government gangsters are so arrogant? The FBI. It's how we caught him during Russiagate. It's how we caught him during Hunter Biden's laptop expose. And it's how we're gonna catch him here. And there should be FOIA requests going out from any journalist with any integrity who wants to get to the truth on this matter. And then we now know the power of congressional subpoenas after this last two-year run from the January uh, 6th committee's use of power, use of subpoena power. So we can go at it from two directions. And Elon Musk can actually be the free speech hero that he says he is by releasing it before everybody else. And this was a question that was posed to me when I was doing a recent media interview. They were like, how do you know this stuff exists? How do you know James Baker is involved? I said, this is the guy that ran the Russiagate operation and screened and blocked us from reviewing the necessary documents. I said before James Baker was fired on Truth Social or on TV that James Baker was screening the documents. Um, and it turned out to be true because that's his practice. That's what he did in government. And are you to tell me that James Baker wasn't talking or communicating with anyone in the FBI? We already know that they had weekly meetings under the auspices of Bill Barr and Chris Ray. Where are those emails? And whenever the FBI has a meeting, with an outside group or an inside group, there's a 302, an FBI form interview that summarizes who was there, what was said, what evidence was turned over, uh, what information was exchanged and what agreements were made. That's the other thing. I wanna know every contract the FBI has with Twitter. I believe that they do have working level engagement agreements with Twitter and those need to be made public. Are taxpayer dollars funding part of this censorship scheme? Are agents working inside Twitter like they were and are working inside Perkins Coie? These are legitimate questions because we've proven 
the illegitimacy of the FBI and its actions in recent history, whether it's Russiagate or Hunter Biden's laptop or what have you. So there's a long, long way to go when it comes to full transparency and these weekly meetings that they had. They weren't just talking about generalities. They weren't just saying, oh, censor stuff that's, you know, bad for America. And yeah, there's a whole nother side of that. Why did that laptop not get exploited, as we say in investigative terms, by Attorney General Bill Barr and Chris Ray? Why did it get sat on for a year and a half? Why did the agents who were talking about it to Twitter as if it was Godspell that it was Russian disinformation, why didn't they just turn it on? And why didn't they just look at the empirical data that you and I know exists on the laptop? And now it's been publicly reported what's on there. We don't have to get into it. So they could have done that. This is the same FBI that on purpose knows what questions not to ask and what investigative steps not to take because they don't want the answers. They did it in Russiagate. They're doing it during Hunter Biden's laptop. And when they're asking things to be censored, now watch, mark my word, they're gonna come back and say, oh, we didn't know during those meetings that um, you know, this information was actually true. You could have, if you just did the job you were trained to do. But instead you politicize law enforcement and you hijacked a private media company to do your dirty work in the public sphere so that you could rig a presidential election. And who knows what else they did? These are just the things we now publicly know about. So if Elon won't release it, then Congress has to go get it and they got to start lining up for it now. And we got to start filing FOIAs immediately for that information. Because here's the thing about all of that information, Jan, as I said earlier, none of that's classified. None of these people of Twitter have security clearances. They're not talking about classified meetings when they're going in there and saying, we need to censor this, that, or the other thing. So that is totally bogus. And then the Adam Schiff's clown play of redactions doesn't apply here either. We already know the, the crooks at, at, at uh, Twitter. And I saw something else that was pretty ironic. A senior Twitter employee that was fired uh, uh, by Elon Musk recently came out and said, you know, it's improper for him to put our names in the public sphere. You put your name in the public sphere when you improperly censored uh, material and information to the American public. You got caught doing it. So your name belongs in the public sphere. I'm not calling for any sort of harm to them physically or any sort of attacks or threats like that. But when you're at that level, both in government and in the private sector, then yes, when you do something wrong, you get called out for it. I just think like Jack Dorsey calling for the full disclosure, this guy saying, standing up now and saying, oh my God, you can't do this. Just think if Twitter, and this is how I can best encapsulate it. Just think if Twitter had hired Donald Trump's former general counsel and then asked the FBI to meet with him and say, let's make sure we put out Hillary Clinton's email scandal and call it legitimate and blast it to the world. But let's also hide everything that shows Donald Trump might be a Russian asset. Don't you think the media would have went absolutely apoplectic and rightfully so? You know, it's this whole shoe is on the other foot thing. If you just change the positions of the people and their party affiliations, it couldn't become more crystal clear as to the corruption of Twitter, um, James Baker, Perkins Coie, the FBI, Bill Barr, Chris Ray, and so many others. And I think there needs to be government accountability. That's not gonna come in the form of this DOJ, I don't believe, but Congress can provide accountability in terms of getting people to either get fired or resigned or quit because of their improper actions. All of this 
Agent Chan, all this stuff didn't happen with one or two or three guys. You and I know this. There's busloads of people at the FBI and DOJ who are working on this, who authorized it, who memorialized it, and we are just finding out what, what it is and who it is, or we may never if Elon doesn't disclose it all. You know, and I, I think this is a great tee up for Elon because, you know, I don't think he can even be aware of the incredible energy and thoughtfulness and intelligence investigative ability that he will unleash by letting all these documents out because there's, you know, actually Twitter is kind of ready to rock and, uh, and release these things, you know, beyond Epoch Times, beyond, you know, some of the few other media that have been covering this in depth. So I'm, I'm very excited to see it myself. No, and that's a good point. Well, we should also send him the Epoch Times Russiagate flowchart, the best one ever created in history. So Elon, we got one coming for you. Just let us know where to send it. Um, but you're right. The other thing that we have to cover is that the mainstream media over the weekend spent seven, se I'm not kidding, seven seconds covering this. The Sunday shows, seven seconds. Most of them didn't talk about it at all. Just mentioned in passing. Why? Now Elon Musk is the enemy of the Democratic Party and quote unquote free speech. So they will castigate him and try to punish him somehow because he's no longer allowing a platform to spew out lies and do government's political bidding. Well, that's a course correction that can only happen with a much larger lift of the American populace. And the only way they do that is it's a challenge to America. As these documents come out, as we have these conversations, you, America, have to go and learn about it. Because most of you, America, thought Donald Trump was a Russian asset. Most of you think James Baker's a good guy and Perkins Coie has nothing to do with any of this. And the DNC and the Hillary Clinton campaign aren't somehow related and that they didn't, again, Enfold themselves, envelop themselves within the FBI and launch this disinformation campaign um, on Hunter Biden's laptop and censor other politically uh, based activities and, and speech. So there's work to do on all sides. We're going to keep hammering on it. Um, but I do, I do feel that the window isn't as big as people think. You know, we're going to get to next year, you know, very soon. We're going to be in 2023 where we talk, people are being talking about elections again. People are being talking about the debt and national security and education, and rightfully so. So the shelf life for these topics is always short-lived, right, Jan? And so that's why I think Elon has to work fast and hard, maybe over the holiday season, to get this stuff out. Well, and I mean, so far, so good. So let's see what happens. And I, I think it's time for our shout-out. This week's shout-out is actually in memory of Pearl Harbor which happened on December 7th, 1941. And today we are filming on the anniversary of Pearl Harbor. So our shout out is more of a honorarium to the military and their families and those who served in World War II and continue to serve. We appreciate everything you do for this country. And we know that uh, we wouldn't have our freedoms without you. So thank you for your service. And we will of course see you all next week on Cash's Corner.